Hey everybody, this is Devin Boker and you are listening to The Wild Life, a show that tells nature's untold stories and wild secrets. And this is our first edition of news, sort of. It's like a news update because there was stuff that we thought was particularly interesting and we got all excited. We're like, well, we don't want to do a full episode, plus it's like topically relevant at the moment, so why not just do a quick short to share to share what's going on. In a patch of sandy scrub in southern Lake Wales Ridge in Highlands County, Florida, a rare blue bee has been spotted for the first time in four years. Osmia calamanthae, the blue calamanthae beetle. It's named for its distinct dark blue, kind of a metallic navy color, and its host plant, the ashes calament, or, or mint. It's a rare find. It's only ever been documented in four sites of sandy pine scrub habitat, no more than 16 square miles combined. It's a type of bee, a mason bee, endemic to Florida. It's broad-bodied and fuzzy. It could be easily mistaken for a bumblebee by the untrained eye. But Chase Kimmel, a postdoctoral researcher at the Florida Museum of Natural History, spotted the bee while installing a bee condo. It was grabbing flowers and, and rubbing them on top of its head, kind of back and forth, before moving on to the next. And if that sounds odd, that's because, well, it is. It's just another distinctive trait of this rare animal. A solitary native bee, the blue calamanth, does not live in colonies like like honeybees. They do not build a hive. Each female builds its own individual nest, and it doesn't even take care of its young. They're hoping that this project... Uh, of installing these condos um, will allow them to see if the calamanth bee has the same nesting behavior as other bees in the genus Osmia. Basically, to see if the empty space might give some new blue tenants. They're installing these condos, which are basically um, boxes with holes <laughs> that, that they're hoping to see if, if the bees will eventually, uh, well, inhabit because see no nests of this bee have ever been found normally these bees at least of this genus the osmia genus they they uh they nest in existing burrows in the ground holes in dead trees or or hollow stems so this is sort of like just putting out an empty house and seeing if anyone takes it orange grove and other human activity have made their habitat one of the fastest disappearing ecosystems in the country and it's a globally recognized biodiversity hotspot. As it disappears, so does their food source, and therefore, the bees themselves. So the rarity is easily understood. Since this spotting back on March 9th, six new sites have been located. And this is excellent news for scientists who are hoping to learn more about the species. It was first described in 2011, and scientists weren't even sure if it still existed. Now this is just one story of a, a disappearing bee, a, a bee on the decline. We're starting to deal with a, another kind of decline, um, on top of the already existing declines. And it's it's related to the panic over the uh, the so-called murder hornet, or the Asian giant hornet, or as my friend put it, um, he prefers homicide hornet because of the alliteration and the legal ramifications of that. But here's the thing. People need to get a grip. The reality is, is that only two of these have been spotted. Now, there was a nest that was destroyed back in November, then there was one that was found dead on a porch and one that was uh, basically flew into the woods 
um, near Blaine, Washington. Genetic tests showed that the dead hornet found on the porch was not related to the colony that had been destroyed. So that means that possibly two queens came over from Southeast Asia um, and then arrived in the Pacific Northwest. But already um, people across the country, officials across the country even, have announced plans for um, basically like murder hornet dispatch teams um, or, or putting out traps. Um, even just people. People are putting out traps. And the problem is, is that these traps are attracting native species. I've even seen pictures of dead cicada killers, which is a type of uh, a native wasp that's incredibly important um, that people are posting because they think that they're the murder hornet. And just even on that, even on that name of murder hornet, it's really, really unfortunate. Here's the reality. 50 people die from the giant hornet in Japan every year, and that's largely due to allergies. Over 60 people die in the U.S. from native species annually. It's not to say that there isn't a concern. These bees um, are, are known to be able to wipe out entire colonies, and they'll basically sever the heads off of off of the bees that they come across. Bees uh, in, in their native area uh, have adapted a lot of defense mechanisms, like forming a ball around the hornet, and our bees do not have those mechanisms in place. They haven't adapted to that. They haven't adapted that kind of predator. So it's possible, sure, that they could wipe out whole colonies. But the reality is, is we don't even know if we have established groups yet. And even if we did, they're isolated in the Pacific Northwest, and that's for people in the northwestern quadrant of Washington State to really focus on and to be concerned with, not the rest of the country. It's just more hyperbole. It's more uh, animosity towards bees, wasps, and hornets. It's, it's not the exact thing that we need right now when people are already on edge. Basically, to sum it up, stop freaking out about the murder hornet. It's not going to murder you. They are not hitmen. You can't give them a list of people or anything like that. Um, they're, they're nothing to be concerned about, at least at least not for you. For wildlife officials and for people up you know, in, in northwestern Washington state, sure, because they want to prevent populations from being established. They want to try and wipe out any uh, nests that they find before before they move on and create new nests and things like that. But that's that's for them to be concerned about, not for everyday folks. It's it's not the end of times. So we can relax. Now, this is just our first bonus episode this week. It's sort of a, a week of bonuses. See, the 21st is, uh, well, it will be the 221st birthday of Mary Anning, the uh, famous fossil hunter. And so we're going to put out a, a really short bonus about that. And then we have our new episode, our, our full episode with our guest interview and everything like that on Friday. So be looking for that. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you to our patrons, Andrea Lloyd, Megan Gariani, Chris Trankel, Angela Hartman, Mike Henry, Bridget Fitzgerald, Megan Gariani, I think I already said that, and Maria Hancox, and Matt Capel. Okay, I think that was everybody. Um, thank you to all of you who support the show and make it possible for us to do even, you know, bonus episodes. And if you are interested in becoming a patron, you can do that at patreon.com slash thewildlife for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, doing that means that you get to have your very own episode at $5 a month. You get a full length hour long episode, um, plus all kinds of stuff like being able to submit questions to guests and episode topics and merch and monthly or 
bi-monthly type gifts and all kinds of really fun stuff. So uh, if you're interested, check that out. I mean, a dollar a month, like that's less than you would spend. I mean, like that's the cost of like an Arizona tea at the gas station. So it's not a whole lot, but it's a whole lot for us. It, it definitely makes a big impact. Also, wherever you're listening, please be sure to leave a rating and review. Um, we've had a few lately that have helped to boost us up. We are now in the top 50 nature podcast, and we have seen some significant climbing in, in the ranks and our visibility. And so when you do that, you're helping to further that um, that climb <laughs> upward. So please consider it takes no time at all, but its impact is lasting, especially for us. Okay, have a good week. 